This segment of Off the Hustle is powered by SaskGolfer.com. He gave it away. Coaster scores. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 17 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Koser, and I'm your host, and yep, you bet, he's back on the air in the studio in a brand new office uh, at Timberstone. Uh, yeah, he's back, Troy Koser. How you doing today, bro? hey Wow, that's uh, his new, uh, I guess, his intro to himself. Troy, what's going on, man? We're in our new office here, uh, next to DK over here at Timberstone. Um, yeah, what's going on, man? Well, it beats the hell out of our old office, which is your... Second bedroom, I believe, at the condom. Can't remember. Uh, yes, it was, uh, but it's also great. I mean, now we're happy with DK over here supplying us uh, with this new office, which is unbelievable for when we do live interviews. So, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Just uh, enjoying another fine Saskatchewan weekend and uh, just getting ready to enjoy another COVID week. You? Well, I mean, on the upside, six more days we have uh, golfing. We're golfing six more days. Wow, are you excited or what? I'm very excited, especially after our premier lifted some of the restrictions. Uh, what is it, 12-minute tee times instead of 20? Uh, yeah, driving range is open, putting greens are open. But, I mean, it's also, I think, I've talked to a reliable source via off the line, but he said that basically if you're playing at 30 minutes, you can go on the green putt. So you, it's it's only certain times you can go. Okay. But still, at least that's open, though, because, I mean, I'm a range rat. So I'm excited. My first tee time booked at 7.30 on next Friday. I'm off that day. Thank you, City Regina, EDOs. And yeah. why didn't you invite me? Oh, I'm at the Royal. So. And why didn't you invite me? You can't. You have to be a member. Royal. <laughs> Royal. Help a brother out, eh? <laughs> Royal. Okay, uh, so I wanted to ask, are you watch, I mean, what are you watching these days still? Are you watching a new TV series? Uh, you mentioned some movies last time we talked. What are you up to these days? Watch movies, TV sh- shows? No movies. Checked out the 89 Stanley Cup Game 6, I believe it was, and the 93 Game 7. Checked out, uh, what's that other show that we were talking about last time? The Last Dance? Last Dance. How good is it, dude? Uh, I just finished episode six last night so there should be two more coming out this week awesome show you need to watch it even if if you're not a basketball fan you need to watch it it's, it's actually crazy though to like even see how like you know scotty pippen was so underpaid but then realize later on in life he got paid just as much as like, i mean and then like how weird is rodman just see you boys i'm gone for like what is he gone for like how many days did he gone for he went missing for like four or five days or something like that and, and he was in better shape than half the team mj had to come into the hotel room where carmen electra was hiding and say yeah. get get your blank and blank Blank and blank to the court. So well, we're supposed to. You, you could have swore all those times, but that's okay. I know, but mom and dad listen, so I don't like swearing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, moving forward, uh, golf news, tournaments. I haven't heard too much. We Also, I guess before we go into tournaments, I guess we are launching our new uh, segment that will be played before every podcast, which is called Inside the Clubhouse. features uh, golf course GMs, uh, board members from tournaments, directors of tournaments. It's a really cool thing I think we thought about. You know, it's it, it gives good perspective on local golf. Well, yeah, it promotes local and provincial golf. So I know we're going to be recording with uh, Legends. Uh, Sass Landing, Sass Riverside, Landing, and, and the Royal. And, and the Royal again. And then after we talk to Brian Duick. Oh, and Dean Prosty. Sorry. And He's the well, nipple in tournament. Right, right, right. I'll have to ask Brian for that membership. Though, so. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we kind of thought about this idea as, you know, we want, like, like Troy said, you know, we want to support local. We want to know what's going on. I mean, obviously with COVID, there's obviously limited to do tournaments and, and restaurants and whatnot. But 
how the course looking up? Are there new holes in different places? I mean, we've never seen some of these golf courses. I mean, Sasselani, I'm very excited to actually get out and play. I mean, we, you talked to him offline, and we're going to go play there this summer. We'll make the trip up there. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I played it, I don't know, six, seven years ago. Beautiful golf course. Like, absolutely beautiful golf course. Really excited to get back there and play some golf. Uh, shoot my, you know, 91, 92, and we'll be happy. So. <laughs> Yeah, but it'll be fun for sure. So, no, it's really – and then, obviously, I mean, GMs that listen to the show or head pros that re- listen to the show, tell your GMs and directors of tournaments, keep your phone on because, I mean, we will be calling and we want to have this with uh, this talk with you guys. Just, I mean, basically it's 10 minutes of free ad for yourself. Uh, you basically pump your own your own course, what's going on, and, yeah, we're really excited for it, so we hope you guys enjoy it as well. So I know the last time we talked to uh... – we were doing the off the hosel decals, and I know by now everyone's got them. Did we want to touch base with our listeners about the upcoming contest we're going to be running? Yeah, I'm on the uh, put me on the spot right now. I mean, we do have shit to give away, so we're, we're going to give away. Here, let's just do this one. We'll do a like, retweet, share one again, and we'll give away a player golf hat from our buddies over at Player Golf, uh, Chase Porter. Yes, I'm, I am wearing a player golf shirt today. I'm not sure if Troy's wearing any player. He's wearing a. I'm uh, looking to get another sponsor from Under Armour today. Whoa, whoa, whoa no free ads. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so let, let's do a like, retweet, share, tag three friends. Show us your decal. Show us your decal, that one? Show us your decal. And tag three friends? Tag three friends. Okay. Let's do it. And okay, there we'll it is. run it across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And maybe we'll even do a, a live pull the name out of the hat or whatever you guys want to do because everyone's, oh, I didn't win last time. I put my name in there. You think we're just bullshitting, just like picking our buddies? No. We want to see the decals, so yeah. uh, when do you want to start that? After today's podcast? So it's Monday today, so let's pump it out. Boom. Let's do, we'll, What we'll do is we'll pump it out Monday morning. Monday morning, you'll listen to the podcast, you hear about it, then they'll be out, out there. And I'm going to say winners announced Friday on the weekly recap. Yeah, that's fine with that's me. five days. That's five days. Yep, so show us your decals. And if you still need one, you know how to get a hold of us at off the hosel, at underscore off the hosel, and at underscore off the hustle instagram boom got three and three also our personal accounts are always open at closer troy at closer drew um yeah and obviously if you have our numbers via text is cool i mean rather call me uh anyhow we're we don't keep it too long this is a long interview you know but it's definitely worth it i mean we got uh, we're on today with a stanley cup champion uh he's absolutely hilarious he's an unbelievable golfer he he created the new. I don't know if he created, but he's now the insider <laughs> people call him the insider commie you know he, he hates babcock uh, so th- it, it's a very funny interview. It's great to talk to Kami. Um, yeah, Mike Commodore's on the show today. That's awesome. Commodore, like, Commodore was great. I didn't know he didn't like Mike Babcock. Hey, oh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, were you even living on a rock for the last ten years, like three years? Like, uh, yeah, no. Kami was great. He was fun with it. He enjoyed it. He he's been golfing for like two months already. This guy's probably like a plus one already. Well, it's funny you said you know it's a long interview, but it's one you definitely want to listen to. It it, it was great. The whole interview. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's things, I mean, I didn't even know Kami was, uh, he was from Fort Sash, and, and, you know, he uh, he played right to college, didn't play in the Western League, went to play in Fighting Sioux, uh, you know, he, and then he played in the NHL. I mean, he played a long time, he won a cup, people say, oh, you're not good, not good, doesn't matter. He won a cup and he played, so. Right. Yeah, do you want to send it over now to Kami? Let's go check it out. All right, guys, hope you guys enjoy it. Coors Light is the official light beer of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's also the official beer of watching 2013 reruns catching up on video calls and wearing the same sweats as you did yesterday. Visit your local retailer for great prices on 18, 24, 36 can packs. Coors Light, made to chill.
Alrighty, I'm now uh, joined by, um, you know, an absolute great guy, uh, good person all around Saskatchewan. Everyone knows him, and that is uh, Mr. Dean Prosky. Um, how's it going, man? Hey, Drew. How about that? How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, no, no problem. I, I want to touch base with you and obviously see how things are uh, going on in your world. Obviously, COVID's kind of, it's not coming to an end by any means, but uh, obviously with Saskatchewan, uh, uh, obviously doing really well. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm doing okay. I wish I was watching actual hockey playoffs, but watching tape hockey <laughs> playoffs from 93 and uh, uh, counting the days to get out there and start hitting a golf ball. I think everybody's got a little too much time on their hands right now. So, Have you been playing uh, golf in your house or what, like, uh, hitting balls in the net? <sighs> you know what? No. I, I say, I, you know, I do some chip shots and I go for a walk. I get pretty uh, I get pretty bored pretty easy. I like hitting the, like hitting the old dimple golf balls on the range <laughs> as much as a guy can. So... Yeah, I just, uh, I'm biting at the bit like everybody else, so. So yeah. I saw you on Facebook. Did you actually like, carry your golf bag while you went walking? Is that true? Can you confirm that? You know, I did. I did the <laughs> other day. I said, you know what, I think I think I was going a little crazy. I was like, you know what, I'm doing these four or five K walks in the morning and at night. I'm like, I'm taking my golf bag today. So I took my golf bag and the reactions were funny. I love when a couple of young, uh, young kids pulled up in a car and they said, is the course open really? And I said, guys, this is what you do when you're 53, man. You walk around with your bag and your gloves on your back. And this is what you do to kill time at my age. So, uh, I thought, what the heck? I felt felt energetic, and uh, so I went ahead and did it. So it was fun, actually. So nice night, though. Anyway. So I wanted to ask. I mean, how is? Uh, yeah. ha- have you seen Nippon's golf course yet? I mean, what's it? What's that shape like? As always, I'd imagine uh, very good. Yeah, I haven't heard much uh, much about it. I just know it, it wintered well, as it always does. We don't really have a lot of. Uh, a lot of issues with our course in the tournament, which is nice. I mean, it really winters well up there. They get good snow cover and, uh, you know, uh, a little later spring this year than they would have liked. But uh, the course is in good shape. I think they have their, their NIP1 uh, uh, Regional Park meeting tonight, which will answer a few more questions about going forward with, uh, you know, their plans and what they want to do and, uh, and then uh, see what we can do about the golf tournament. So, I mean, I want to know, people want to know, yeah. everyone's excited, you know, the city gets canceled. What have you heard yeah. about the Scotia Wealth Open? You know what? I, I've kind of been saying this for a while. I'm holding out as long as I can. I mean, I get uh, I get calls. Had a, actually had a call, two calls today. It just uh, just holding out as long as we can. I mean, uh, open the golfs or reopen uh, the golfs on the 15th of May. And I thought, you know what? Let's let's give it to the 19th of May. I mean, we've waited this long. I mean, I hate to uh, you know cancel it too early. I'm holding out for hope as a lot of the players are and hopefully some of these restrictions uh get lifted here over the next few weeks which would be great i mean uh you know obviously we got to have tea times back to a little bit normal where we can uh 20 minutes is too long if it's 10 or 12 would be great and then again we got to have something uh the ball's got to go in the hole that's the one thing either it's down an inch or something uh you know we've got to play it's a tournament and so we want to play some kind of a some kind of competitive golf but then you know the social uh, aspect of the event as well. I mean, we're we're, uh, we're kind of ready if, if if we can play, but uh, we can't. Uh, you know, social gatherings and things like that would have to be eliminated for sure. And uh, but uh, I'm I'm holding out hope. Uh, every day, sometimes you you get good feelings and then you get bad feelings. But that's yeah. uh, the days come and go, and you try and you know take as long as you can. So I'm I'm hopeful, but uh, it, we're seeing what we can do. So quickly before we move into those some of those topics you just mentioned, uh, I want to know personally. I mean, I'm sure everyone, mm-hmm. I mean, people that obviously know, but uh, how, how many years have you, you know, been the tournament coordinator for, uh, you know, Scotia Wealth, and obviously previously was uh, the RBC. Yeah, you know what? 17 years. I, I lived up in Nippon, and I think it was back in uh, 
uh, I was living in Nippon in 03, and I said to Kurt Lawrence, I said, I'm gonna, let's run a golf tournament up here. I've mean, got a great golf course. It's just awesome. And got on the phone and called a bunch of guys, and uh, we got a lot of guys come up, and then it just kind of been from there. We had Graham Dillette play in, I think, the second year of the event. And uh, nice. I think it was the first year, actually, of the event when Ashley Zigeman won, and Ashley Graham uh, uh, shot a couple 75s out there, and <laughs> all things change over time. But I think Iggy still likes being the – being the first time tournament winner and uh yeah it's been uh it's been fun you know we've had some great champions from dean brown winning a couple times and last year part marcia pat marcia and uh, danny klughart and dave stewart and jim Bourne, and uh, it's just a great list of past champions and it's it's fun it's going to be a definitely a void uh a void in my year if, if i can't get up there and uh, see some of these young players in saskatchewan play because it's fun to watch these guys play well, it's definitely one of my favorite tournaments of the year. I mean, obviously, oh, I you know, that. last year I shoot, what, I think 70 a.m. in the final You're right group, in there, man. And I just You're got right absolutely buckled the night, uh, the night before round two, so that's uh, I won't be doing that again. You know what? Uh, you're right in there with the 70, Drew. That's right in the thing. You know what? At least you give yourself a chance, man. That's uh, uh, something I can't say the last few years running the tournament. I'd love to have a chance to come down the back nine eventually with some pixie dust. But uh, no, that 70 was a great first round. You know what? You give yourself a chance to win the golf tournament. It's all you can do. Yeah, but good. De- you can... shouldn't be drinking though the, the night the four big rounds. So, <laughs> well, you know what? I probably have a couple cocktails too if I shot seventy <laughs> the first round. Truth be known, you know you can't win it the first round, uh, but you can surely lose it if you don't play yeah, well. Sure. So, at least you gave yourself an opportunity there. It's always fun. It was great to have you come to the tournament last year. So I got to ask too as well. Um, yep. You know new devices i mean i mean obviously like we've seen videos of the putter with the easy lift they're calling it or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on you know uh, flip cups and you know the noodle and all that stuff well i see this uh, little kind of a saucer thing that's in the cup about an inch down where the the ball will go in and you know it i think jim Bourne from lloyd was in edmonton last week and they were playing uh, uh the golf courses edmonton and they had that in there and they had the other courses, courses have the foam, uh, you know, the swimming pool foam in there, and it seems to hold the ball in there, and you just reach in with two fingers and pick it out. And, you know, I, I personally think that's that's okay. I mean, there's other provinces that are uh, doing what they want when it comes to that. I mean, I wish – I think it would be great to have that. I mean, I think they're great ideas. It's great to get the ball in the hole. I mean, it is a sport, and, um, you know, it, you know it's, it's safety too. I just uh, think we can be safe – uh, with the ball only going in an inch, I think we're all, uh, you know, I think we can pick our ball out of the hole and yeah. uh, and 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 take it like that and use our best judgment. I mean, I find golfers are are pretty good individuals and we're uh, pretty ethical and we're, we show a lot of good judgment a lot of times. So I think we can still do it on the golf course. Uh, I I I wanted to talk about. Um... Uh, like, I don't know, the COVID rules. I mean, wh- where are you at with, um, you know, the 20-minute intervals, you know, the one per card? I mean, where are you at with all the COVID rules? Well, 20, 20 minutes is a little, is excessive. I mean, I just, yep. I, I think, I think, uh, I mean, we, we, we play, usually play golf in three hours and 40 minutes all the time, but it's, I, I don't, I don't know how long, it, I mean, I, I know what they're trying to do. It's trying to eliminate people in the parking lots. And uh, I know some of the city courses here want to make sure there's not a, 
you know, a lot of people in the parking lots and then people show up 20 minutes early. They don't want people showing up an hour early and they just want to restrict the amount of people that are in the area at that given time. So I understand what they're coming from on that aspect of things. I mean, it's, it's more to it than just the, the spacing of the players. I think, you know, the 800 yards where people can yeah, uh, sure. go into grocery stores and everybody's like, Oh, it's only two meters. What's the big <laughs> deal? And, you know, I, I get it too. I understand that. That was kind of my original reaction, but then it's, it's the, you know, having people, you know, conjugate before the round or after the round, they want to stop or not, or kind of put a limit, eliminate on that. So, you know, I, I think it could soften it up a, a bit, hopefully. I mean, there's other provinces that are not doing the 20 minutes. So hopefully uh, uh, something comes up in the next little while where we can soften that a bit, where the clients, where uh, the courses can uh, make as much revenue as they can and people can enjoy this great game. So, Dino, quickly before I let you go here, sure. this is obviously, yeah. uh, I want to do a segment, obviously, with uh, the tournament coordinator. And we will do a awesome. Dean Prosky one at some point. But quickly before oh, you awesome. go. You got a lot of great gifts, great guests. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been yeah. great so far, and I appreciate the support. Um, before I let you go, though, I want to ask, besides your own tournament you, uh, you coordinate, uh, what mm -hmm. tournament are you looking forward to getting out to? Oh, man. I, I love the City Am in Saskatoon. I love the Northern PA. That's a great tournament. Uh, I love playing in the team championship with Jeff Will. We, we go there and have some fun in there. And I think a guy, you know what, I was listening to some uh, podcasts with Randall Chambly, and he seemed to really, you know, I think people are really going to appreciate the game so much more coming out of this. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, we all miss it. We all love the game. We love our friendships. And I think it's going to make people really appreciate being out on a golf course so that you know what uh hitting a bad shot is not a big deal at least we're out there hitting a hitting a golf shot and seeing people and having fun and uh that's I, that's what i'm looking forward to is getting out there and actually probably not taking the game too seriously yeah <laughs> and it might it might free up a guy's mental aspect of the game <laughs> like maybe getting off a guy's back once in a while his own back and uh, just yeah. let this game take over so i'm looking forward to that part of it okay Dino, this has been awesome i, I appreciate awesome. you coming on hey Appreciate the call, Drew, anytime. Okay, take care, Dino. Take care. Bye. Bye. Today's sponsor of Off the Hosel is GR Flooring. For all your flooring needs, contact Todd Ripplinger at 306-537-9074 or visit him in person at 1260 McDonald Street in Regina, Sask. Today I'm joined by a 12-year NHL player and an absolute beauty, hilarious dude, and that is Mike, the insider, Commodore. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast, Tommy. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Drew. Appreciate it. What's going on? Nothing, man. I mean, like yesterday was like 15 out here in Regina, Saskatchewan. Now today it's snowing, so uh, still no golf, and then uh, just kind of chilling out in uh, self isolation here. Yourself? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I I would be doing the exact same thing as you in Calgary, except uh, once the isolation thing. Long story short, I was in Mexico with my girlfriend at the beginning of March and then we came back and we didn't have to isolate it was before all that but I'm like ah, we probably should be responsible so we isolated for 14 days and then once this kind of thing you know I it was kind of turned into like a mandatory thing social distancing and all this yeah I was like like my golf club closed like you can't golf and counter just like Regina right now anyways but the simulator closed I'm like oh man I'm like what am I gonna do I got no simulator I got no light so uh, I just got in the car and we rented a place in Ticton, British Columbia. Um, so we've been here now for three weeks and we are staying for the foreseeable future. So actually, I've been golfing. I played yesterday. Oh, wow. How, how's the game? 
Uh, you know what? I've probably played uh, I played at Fairview Mountain in Oliver, BC. Anybody who hasn't played there should. It's a really fun course. They were the first course to a buddy of mine, Brian McDonald's, the general manager. Okay. They were the first course to open up. So they opened up one week ago today. So they were open. Then they got shut down by Golf BC, who I guess can't really shut them down. Like they really don't have that jurisdiction or whatever you call it. But yeah. whatever, they shut down. And then they're like, look, we're just going to be really serious about the rules. We're going to take this social distancing serious, but we're opening up. So they opened up a week ago. Uh, and yeah, it's been great. Like, you know, it's a little bit different. You know, one person per cart, unless you're walking, the pins are in, the cups are turned over, no rakes. Uh, oh, wow. Don't tee anything up on the, like, if you, so you can show up and go to the range, but don't tee anything up. So basically you're just hitting irons and maybe a three-wood off the deck. Yeah. Don't touch tee, like, because they don't want you touching the golf balls. Uh, but no, it's been good. My first four rounds, I was, uh, it was off the hosel and OB, uh, <laughs> but actually the last two have been good. I was, uh, 75, uh, four days ago or three days ago. And yesterday I was 76 and it was windy. So yesterday I played pretty good for me. Well, that's, imp- well, so I was going to ask you, I mean, like, so you're playing golf and, and you said that there's no like cups or anything. It's just like, like, uh, like what's on it. No, no. So like the cups, so you know how the cup is regularly. Yeah, so yeah. Instead of they just, they just turned it over and put it in the ground, so you can still the, the pin is in the in, there's a hole. Oh, the cup is okay. Turned over, so, so when the, the ball probably only goes in like half an inch, and then it doesn't go in any further, so you can easily pick it out of the hole like with your putter yeah. or with your like two fingers. So yeah, like there's a you know it's, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but I think it's better than I saw some courses have like the cup raised. Yeah, and that's a little because then you could just—I mean—you just hammer the putts off the thing like it's what's that game with the mallets and the balls? Croquet, it is, croquet, that one. Yeah, croquet. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think, I, thank you. I don't think I would have thought of that. It's like croquet, but this is pretty good. It, it's been, uh, yeah, actually, it's been awesome. So it's given me something to do, and a driving range opened up here in Penticton, so at least I can kind of play around doing that a little bit. And yeah, that's what I've been up to. Right on. Okay, well, I want to backtrack here a little bit, uh, just to be—I mean, when you were younger. Sure. Uh, you were born in Fort Saskatchewan. Uh, what was that like, yep. and when did you get into hockey, and who got you uh, into the game? Sure. Um, you know what? I was always – my dad was my, – my parents are from Saskatchewan, um, and my dad was just always – well, we, my brother and I have a younger brother. We were always kind of sports-inclined anyways. I think me especially so. And um, Yeah, growing up in Fort Saskatchewan, it was great. Uh, there was – 13,000 people there, I think, when I was growing up, maybe 15. Now it's like almost, I think it's probably about 25. But, uh, no, it was, you know, small, I mean, not small town, I shouldn't say that. It's a small city. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was It was pretty simple. I played all my hockey there, all my minor amateur hockey, and then I played one year of Tier 2 Junior for the Fort Saskatchewan Traders. But, no, it was great. I mean, it was just kind of, I don't even, I think kind of just kind of got into hockey I guess because I wanted to play, and my dad was like, "Hey, if you want to play, you can." And I would go to the outdoor rinks and mess around, and it kind of went from there. So that was probably at I don't know five, I guess, kind of whatever whatever everybody else does. Yeah. I guess maybe four or five years old, something like that. Um, and yeah, yeah, all my Fort Saskatchewan all the way up until I went to college. So yeah, I mean, that kind of next my next question here. Uh, you decided to play college, and you played in, in University of North Dakota. Uh, what, yeah. what was the decision between uh, college and the Western League? Uh, any reason why? Yeah, you know what? It, it was a really hard decision. So I got drafted in like the last round to the Tacoma Rockets. I didn't even know there was a draft. Like, <laughs> I just like to play hockey. Like, I had no, like, there was never a plan of doing it for like a living until like 
until I got drafted after my second year of college. Like, to be brutally honest, I didn't really think I was that good. I was like, ah, you know, I can't really skate that well. And I really like to play, so I just played. Yeah. Um, but I got drafted, and then I went to I went to camp twice for when Tacoma moved to Kelowna. Um, they had their camp at Strathmore, right outside of Calgary. So I went to when I was to camp when I was 16 and when I was 17. When I was 16, I was on the bubble, and my dad's like, okay. he's like, well, let's not. He goes, I know you don't have any plans, but let's just get you out of here. We don't need to be playing any games and losing eligibility. I'm like, I I'm like eligibility. I hadn't even heard of university hockey at this point. And then uh, my 17-year-old year, when I was in grade 11, I went to camp, and I was on the team. And I remember I had a meeting with the general manager and the head coaches and my dad. And uh, they were like, look, you're on the team. We'd love for you to stay. And my dad's like, look, like we really appreciate it. But my mother was a principal in high school, and it's gotten a lot better since then. But back then, she was a principal in high school, so guys would go to play juniors. And yeah, some of the guys, I know it's a lot better now. But back then, it was like she would get, you know, firsthand, she would kind of see the guys come back. Not all of them, but some of them come back, and they're like, well, they didn't go to school, and she couldn't graduate them or whatever. And she just wanted me to finish high school. Yeah. And after that, do whatever I wanted. So my dad was like, hey, look, like he's not going to play this year. We want him to finish his high school. Uh, oh, that was my grade 12 year, sorry, when I was 17 years old. And... Uh, so I'm like, okay. So we left. I remember crying. I was crying in the office because I wanted to stay. Yeah. And then I went and played turn two and finished high school and had a great time. And I got recruited. Yale was the first team. No, Boston University was the first team that talked to me. Really? I went up for a meeting with, yeah, with their assistant coach. And this guy hands me like the, you know, their, like their program little booklet on BU and academics and the hockey and this. I remember acting to this guy like I knew what he was talking about. I had no fucking clue <laughs> what this guy was talking about. I'm like, what the fuck is BU? I'm like, Boston. I'm like, I'm not going to Boston. That's a long ways away. Yeah. Um, and then anyways, I ended up taking a fly down to North Dakota, uh, probably in about December or something. And the only re- I didn't even really know what I was doing, but I went because I'm like, oh, it's a trip without my parents. Awesome. <laughs> so I went on this fly down, had a great time, uh, a really good time. And basically the only the deciding factor, I mean, I, I would like to, it'd be fun to go back. I mean, obviously you can't do this, but it would have been fun to go back and do it and go the other way and go play in Kelowna and see how that would work out. But I can't complain about North Dakota. North Dakota was awesome. I had the time of my life. Basically what it broke down to, I would say, was I went to the games in North Dakota. I showed up at the rink and the place, you know, Friday, Saturday night game. There was six. The place was full. It was the old rink. It held about 6,500 people. It was fucking packed. Half the rink, it was cut in half. Half of it were students. They were all bummed. It was loud. I'm like, this place is awesome. And that was pretty much the deciding factor for me. I'm like, I want to play here. This looks like fun. Well, I was, I was going to ask, did you ever play in the Ralph Anglestead? I mean, I went there and I was in the junior pass. I was like, I think 10 or 11. We drove, we like went down the river trip and a tour of the rink yeah. and the facility is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like anybody, I you know, when North Dakota comes up and I'm like, look, I'm like, I understand most people don't have a reason to go to Grand Forks, North Dakota. Like, it's not exactly a booming metropolis and it's not the you know, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it is, it is, if you're going through there, it is definitely worth the stop to go in and check the rink out. Um, I've never played a game there, but I have skated there. Like once it was, it would have been done. So I ended up staying for three years and then I, I left before my senior year. I turned pro my senior year would have been the last year of the old rink. And then the new one opened up. So I would have missed it regardless. Oh, okay. Um, but it is, yeah, it is awesome in there. Everybody that goes there says it's awesome. Um, the only thing that 
and maybe I'm probably biased just because I, I played the old rink. Yeah. The only thing I would say, the facility's awesome. It's huge for recruiting. The whole thing is awesome. It's great that they did it. Thank you, Ralph Engelstad. The only thing I think they lost a little bit is just that, like, with the old rink, we used to do, like, every player in the WCHA would do like, a little questionnaire during the year. And one of the questions was, like, what rink do you hate to play in? And every year, like, people hated to come play in North Dakota because yeah. with, with the old building, it was, like, it was hard to play in there, to be honest. Just like, a riot. Were right on, yeah, I mean, it was a total shit show in there. And the fans were all over, like, giving it to me over the glass. And it was a hard place to play. Whereas now, like, Ralph Engelstead's like everybody's favorite trip because the, the rink is unbelievable. So they lost a little bit there, but it was totally worth it. Did you have a good time there? You played some games? No, I actually didn't do the play. I I just got to like just go see and do a tour. I mean, like, what is the floor? Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, the floor is made out of what is it? I don't know, granite or like marble. I don't know how it's made of, but it's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's like I think his deal was like that you you can't see any poured concrete i don't think in the building yeah correct all like italian tiles and then he was a big like he was a big fighting sioux guy right he was a big you know let's keep the name this and that which has changed now but i think he probably had an idea that one day maybe after he was gone it would change so he put like i forget what the number is it's like Ten thousand, or there's basically a, a Sioux logo, an Indian head Sioux logo, like everywhere in the building. On yeah. Receipt, everything. It's like the place is covered in it. So I think that was kind of his little last laugh, a little bit, um, as far as keeping the name. But it's not that anymore. But yeah, still a great place. So I wanted to shift now into uh, uh, what is a day day to day lifestyle of an angel hockey player? Routine, meals, morning skates. You know, just uh, just elaborate on on that for us. When I was playing? Yeah, playing, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's changed a little bit now. Now I think the guys show up to the rink, and I think basically you could have every meal if you wanted to at the rink. Like, say, a practice or game day, they have food really? there in the morning. They have lunch. Yeah, now now they have, like, lunch there, pre, pre-game meal if you want to have it. And then there's a little bit of food at the rink after, too, if you want to eat after the game. Um, but when I was playing, it, it was getting like that a little bit towards the end, but... Uh, basically, yeah, no, in-day routine for me would have been like, you did, let's say, home game or whatever, get up, go to grab a little bit. I wasn't a huge, huge breakfast. I kind of wish I was now. I didn't know <laughs> shit about nutrition. Like, I'm just kind of learning now. So I wish I would have known a little bit more. But, uh, you know, I eat maybe a little bit of breakfast practice, and then I'd usually go somewhere. When I was in Carolina, that was my longest stop. I would always go to the macaroni grill and just crush pasta, which oh, I shouldn't baby. have done. But, I love but it. But it was good. God, man, I love the macaroni grill. To make your own bowl, fuck, I used to just crush that shit. And uh, lunch, and then I would go home, and I would usually nap for two hours. It was usually no more than two hours. Get up and go to the rink. I usually at the rink two and a half. You had to be there two hours early. I was there two hours early for sure, but usually I'd be there a little bit earlier if I had to play around with my sticks or whatever. Um, and Yeah, and then off to the races, play the game, and then if you're traveling, you take off right away. If not, I would usually go grab a bite. That was the one thing that I, it would have been nice. Now they do. They have a little bit of food. It would be, would have been nice if they had food right at the rink after the game. It'd be nice to eat right then instead of like, you know, by the time, if the game starts at seven, let's it's done at 10, 930, 10. And then by the time you get out of the rink and then go sit down somewhere to eat, you know, your options are kind of limited depending on what day of the week it is. And it's now like midnight, uh, which isn't great. But yeah, that was my usually pretty much my routine for 14 years. 
So I also want to ask too, like, do you have any, uh, like, uh, uh, what is your career high and low in the NHL? Like, do you, like, do you want to elaborate on that? Career high and what, sorry? Uh, career high and lows. Oh, career high and lows. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, no problem. Career high, I would say, I mean, the easy answer is, I mean, the Stanley Cup. Uh, the second <laughs> yeah. easy answer for, yeah, I mean, that's, I won't go with that one because that's too easy. Um, you know, the next easiest answer would be, um, going to the finals with the Flames and, you know, was the puck in or not, that's up for discussion, but regardless, we lost, yeah. uh, but it was a great experience. It was like, kind of, it was kind of my opportunity to kind of break out a little bit and then and people to know who I am a little bit, maybe stick around in the league. Uh, but I would say probably if I had to, other than those two, um, I was fortunate. I never thought I'd get the opportunity and I was super lucky to get it, but I actually played for team Canada in the 2007 world championships. Now, I think the only right. reason why I got to play was because I had a good year for sure, but um, the only reason why I got to play was because the tournament was in Russia. It was in Moscow, and I think a lot of the top-end guys didn't want to go to Moscow in May. And so I think Iserman, Steve Iserman was kind of going down the list, and eventually enough people said no. Where He called me. He's like, hey, Mike, do you have any interest in going to Russia and playing for Team Canada? I'm like, Steve, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I don't care where the fuck the tournament is. I'm like, I'm just happy to be invited. Uh, so we went and played, and, and I remember reading some things online. Don't get me wrong, we had a really good team, but it wasn't like, there was no, like, Sidney Crosby. Like, you know, we had a Rick Nash, but there was no, like, big, big name. Yeah. Sidney was, was still young then, but, and I remember people being like, this team is shit, and this and that, and, and we, anyways, we went up, we went there, and we went 9-0, and we won the tournament. Nice. And I would say that, yeah, that was... I can't say enough about Hockey Canada. Like, the experience was awesome. They really took care of you, like, off the ice and, and gave you things to do and little team rooms. And, yeah, the whole experience, I would say, standing on the ice for the gold medal game after we won and listening to uh, O Canada was definitely a high in my career. That was a lot of fun, and I'm really glad I went. Okay, so then I also wanted to ask now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to get the lows. Fuck. Sorry. I try and forget about all the lows. No, no, you're good. Um, I would say... A low for me, um, probably the lowest I've been in my career, I would say. I really enjoyed playing in Columbus. I signed a five-year deal there. I bought a place there. That was the only place where I ever bought a place in town where I was playing because the other places I really wasn't there long enough, um, except Carolina, but I never knew what was going on. I only had kind of a short-term deal there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how it, I, the biggest low in my career would definitely be how it worked out for me in Columbus. There's well, you had two. That went in. Sorry. Well, well, well you had no, two, two or three good years there. No, I mean, like you weren't like you didn't have a shitty years there. No, I, yeah, I ended up playing two and a half. My first year in Columbus was actually my best. Like, wasn't the best year for me numbers wise, like points or anything, which wasn't really my thing, anyways. But it was my best year for sure as a pro. Um, I was playing paired up with Jan Hayda and like, honestly, like I, I'm not lying. We were one of the better, like shut down defensemen pair yeah, in yeah. the league that year playing against the other team's top lines. I was playing a ton. The first year went really well. We made the playoffs first time Columbus ever made the playoffs. Uh, Ken Hitchcock was our coach. Then the next year, the expectations went up a little bit. And on my first mistake on what I did was after that year, my good year, Instead of doing what I always did, like go back to Calgary, skate and train, like I found like the last 15 games of the season, I had no gas. Like I was, I'd never played that much in my life. 
Yeah. So I was like, I had no legs. It didn't matter what I was doing. Like I was getting enough sleep. I was doing like, I was trying to do things right or as right as I knew how to do them. And I was just gas. So in the summer I changed up. I asked, I mean, I asked Chris Chelios. I asked Rob Blake, like Hall of Fame defense. And I'm like, Hey, what would you recommend for me to do? And they all really enjoyed going out and working out in this place in California. So anyways, I went and did this and it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life but it just wasn't appropriate. It was like everybody did the same workout and I was doing these workouts and I'm like, God, I'm like, I don't need to get bigger. I need to get as small as possible and I need to be as quick as I possibly can. And those workouts weren't for it. Yeah. Anyways, I just stuck with it, bought the camp, tested worse than I did the year before. And that was the first like red flag. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, this, I don't think this was the right thing to do. <laughs> and then for the only time in my career, I had groin problems. I had groin problems that whole year. So that year was tough. And then Hitch got fired because the expectations went up. Claude Noel took over. That guy's an idiot. Like, he was gone. <laughs> he was fired. He had, they let him finish the year, but he was fired before he even coached the game. He held a meeting. He called it. He hadn't even coached the game yet. And he was a good guy as an assistant coach. Gets the interim job when Hitch gets fired. Calls a meeting and has every, literally everybody in the organization from the players, the trainers, all the front office, the president of the team, the only person that wasn't there was McConnell, the guy that actually owns the team. He wasn't there. Really? And Claude went in. He went into this, like, 30-minute rant, like, ripping the organization. And he ripped into me. We were buddies. And he ripped into me for, like, five minutes. I almost threw my chair out of him. I was so fucking pissed. I walked out of the meeting. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Anyways, he was done. Like, they let him coach, but there was no way he was coming back. And then anyways, we hired Scott O'Neill that summer, and I was actually excited about it. Brad Berry was the assistant coach, who's the head coach at North Dakota. There's some North Dakota ties there. Yeah. And I was really excited about it. I thought it was going to be a really good thing. And then fucking Scott O'Neill came in there, and Scott O'Neill had a good – it took me a, while, a long time to figure this out, but Scott O'Neill had a – he had a good hockey career. He played a lot in the minors, but he played a lot in the NHL too. He played forever. But Scott O'Neill – in his opinion, doesn't think he got paid appropriately. So, and he paid. He might be, that might be right. I have no idea. I, I don't have anything to do with that. But Scott Arneal came in. It was his first fucking head coaching job in the NHL. And he came in so fucking arrogant. And basically his goal was, I'm going to get even for like what I see as the shortcomings of my career. So who was number one on the list? At the time, I was the highest paid defenseman in the organization. I was single. I was like 30 years old, I think, or 31 years old. And he wanted, he wanted me out of there because he's like, look, really? look at this guy, 30, 31 years old, single. He's making almost 4 million bucks a year. I never made a million bucks in my career. This is a fucking joke. You know, he would have meetings like you guys are trying to take money from my wife and kids. I'd be sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> Anyways. And I was, uh, that was the end of me in Columbus. So that was my loan. I really, really enjoyed it in Columbus. I really, really wanted it to work out. The first year was awesome. And then, like, for instance, I, remember, I, I said, Jan, Ada, and I played really well the one yep. year we were together. Well, we were on the team the entire time I was there. Jan was there. We wasn't traded or anything like that. Jan and I played every fucking shift together, basically my first year. And we had a really good year. And after that, I think we played maybe two games together. And to me, that made no fucking sense. We never played together again. And I, I just, I, I, could, I, I couldn't wrap, I, I don't understand why that was, but 
anyway, that was my fucking low. So uh, I, I wanted to ask, um, uh, uh, how was Hitch quickly on that? Was, was he good? I mean, you hear all the stories about Hitch. Like, like, did you like him? Yeah. You know what? Hitch is, uh, yes, a quick answer to that. Yes, I actually really like Hitch. Hitch is an interesting individual. All those stories you hear are true. Uh, he's, Ken Hitchcock, if he could, he would, he would still be, he'd still be coaching in the NHL if he, if he wanted to right now. If you could just leave Ken Hitchcock in the room. So if he ran the practices and come up with the game plan and in the intermissions, if he made the adjustments, but the only thing he wasn't allowed to do, if he was not allowed to go onto the bench, Ken Hitchcock would he'd probably still be coaching in Dallas for fuck's sake. He never would have got fired. Yeah. He was amazing hockey wise. Like he knew the game. That was what Ken I got a couple kind of funny stories about him, but yeah. he knew hockey really, really well. But he just, he'd get on the bench, and he just couldn't help himself. He'd always bitch. Like, he'd, he'd just get on, like, young guys usually. But, like, let's say, you know, let's say I'm playing, and I got the puck, and I, I, I go to make, make a play to get it out of our own end, and it doesn't work out. They don't even get a scoring chance or whatever. But anyway, nothing happens of it. But, you know, I, I didn't make the play, and we didn't get out of our end. That's one example. You come back to the bench, and he would be on you. What the fuck, Mike? He only did it to me once, and I lost it on. He was always the young guys. He's like, "What the fuck, Mike? What the fuck? Get the puck out!" And it would—you'd hear about it for the entire fucking game. And that was eventually what, like, sooner or later, players just tune him out. Yeah. And so that—that that was like, in my opinion, that was his undoing. It was just—it was strictly the on the bench stuff. If he would just—if we could have just left him in the room, and he could have done everything else, <laughs> it would have been perfect. But he's an interesting individual, man. He's like. He's very knowledgeable. He's a smart guy, but he basically he can sit to you and talk to you. He he knows golf. He's apparently I mean he's a little bit big now, but he apparently he was a really good golfer back in the day. He knows golf. He knows hockey. He knows the Civil War, and he knows horse racing. Those are the four things. If you're having a conversation about that, Ken Hitchcock will lead the conversation, and he fucking knows everything. Like he does, like nice. he's kind of a nice bit. He, like, dresses up and does, like, those Civil War reenactments and shit like that. No shit. Um, yeah, but if you talk to him about anything other than that, he struggles a little bit. But in those topics, he knows everything. And Hitch, actually, the one day I was sitting in, we had a computer in our in our in in the room in Columbus, in the, in the lounge. And I used to own, like, very small pieces. But I used to be into horse racing, and I owned small pieces of some horses in California. So I was watching some races, and I think I was watching. My horses weren't running, but it was the Breeders' Cup. And Hitch was in his room. He walks by. He's like, oh, what are you doing, Mike? I'm like, ah, just watching the Breeders' Cup here. I'm going to place a couple bets. And he goes, do you know what you're doing? I'm like, well, I, I should say yes. But I'm like, I go, honestly, Hitch, I go, no, I don't. I go, there's a couple things that I look for, but do I know horse racing? He goes, no. He goes, oh, okay. So he walks out. I don't know anything that he knows horse racing. He doesn't say anything. And he comes back like 15 minutes later. He's like, hey, uh, in the fifth race, take the take the eight horse. I go, what? He goes, take the eight horse in the fifth race. I go, Hitch, do you know what the fuck you're talking about? He goes, Mike, I used to hang out at Northlands in Edmonton. That's the track in Edmonton yeah. all the time. I'm like, Hitch, that's fucking good enough for me. So I put a pretty decent bet on this eight, and it was not the favorite, like, at all. It was, like, middle of the pack, and it was some fucking Irish horse or some shit like that. And this horse fucking won, and I, and I think I... Hitch won me like I think I won like fifteen grand or something <laughs> like that. It was awesome. Yeah, so that's wow. my little hitch story. But he's a good dude. Yeah, like 
you'll hear like some players didn't really like him, and the only reason was is because he benched a lot. But Ken Hitchcock, he's a good guy, uh, and I hope he's doing well. Okay, a couple more things about hockey, and then we'll move into some golf. Because I mean, we're on the, we're on the air here with uh, Mike Commodore, and uh, I wanted to ask, uh, uh, you, you played one or I mean twenty some games in the KHL. How was that? Interesting. It was interesting. Uh, I ended up going. Long story short, I was skating that summer. I knew it was over for me in the NHL. I didn't want to go back to the American League because I'm like, man, at 33 or 34 years old, I'm like, the American League, it's a great league. It's awesome when you're young. Those guys that play there in their 30s, I tell you what, if you, those guys that play a thousand games in the fucking American Hockey League, just grinders. I got more respect for that. Oh my God. Like, Playing a 1,000 games in the NHL is a hell of an accomplishment, and it is awesome, but you get treated first class. You are flying everywhere. Like, it's a privilege. Those guys that sit and grind it out for a 1,000 games in the American Hockey League, I got more respect for them than anybody else because that is not fucking easy. So I was like, I was skating in Calgary, and I'm like, well, fuck. I'm like, I I don't, I'd like to play one more year anyway, see how it goes. I've been working out all summer. And for whatever reason, maybe it was because I played the Worlds in Moscow, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go, the only like league I'm really interested in playing is the KHL. I think that would be interesting and be a good experience for me. There's other great leagues over there, but I was just interested in the KHL. So there was a team in Belarus, and they were like, they were all summer. They were like, yep, we want Mike, we want Mike. And they were in the KHL. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Like, let's do this. So you wait, wait. Now it's, yep, we got a contract coming. We got a contract coming. Okay, now it gets to middle of September. NHL training camp start. I've been waiting for this contract, so I didn't go to try. I mean, I could have went and tried out somewhere. Yeah. So that boat ship sailed. Now it's the end of September, and I still got nothing. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? These guys aren't fucking calling me back now. So I called uh, Slava Fatisov, who is oh, uh, he, yeah, he player. Was my first. Oh yeah, he was unbelievable. <laughs> he was my first assistant coach in New Jersey, and him and I got along well. He worked the shit out of me, but I liked Slava, and Slava is like god in russia really he's putin oh yeah like i would love to see he's basically he's putin's boy basically (laughs) what he is he's been like a senator he's like a politician he's the minister of sport i would love to see what like what slava fatisov in his bank account what his bottom line is i have a feeling (laughs) that it is an insane amount of money now but i called slava and kind of a shitty connection and Anyways, I'm like, Slava, like, I really want to play. Like, get me a contract. He's like, oh, Misha, you good guy. Okay, hangs up. I'm like, all right. And then next day, my agent had a contract from a team in Vladivostok. I signed it. Didn't even know where Vladivostok was. Signed it, looked at the map. I'm like, holy fuck, this is right next to North Korea on the Pacific (laughs) Ocean. Like, what is this travel going to be like? So anyway, get over there. Uh, The hockey was awesome. Everybody, when I first got over there, I was watching practice. I was like, holy shit, I don't know if I can play here. Like, everybody can skate. Everybody can shoot. Everybody can pass the puck. Like, skills-wise, they're unbelievable. But the thing was, like, hockey-wise, they just don't... The Russians are still stuck. Most of them, they're stuck in, like, the 60s, where, like, the coaching was... There was no, like, systems. Like, I'd be out there, I'd be like... One of our assistant coaches spoke English. I'd be like, hey, like, what are we doing in the neutral zone? Or what are we doing in the D zone? And the answer was, Mike, you're a pro. You should know. I'm like, well, what the fuck? I'm like, I know what I'd like to do, but I'm like, where the fuck is everybody else going to be on the ice? So it was. It was That'd be frustrating. Yeah, it was like they're all really good players, like they're very skilled. But then you get them out on the ice, and I'd be playing, and I'm like, well, yeah, you can go into the corner and stick handle and skate around and look really good doing it. I'm just going to wait for you in this Olympic ice at the dot, and if you want to get a decent shot, you're going to have to come to me. So it was actually once I got out there, I was fine. But 
my experience in Russia was it was good. There were some long days, um, and the travel for our team was insane. So we would play. There was 28 teams in the league then. We would there was conferences and divisions, but the schedule you played a home and home with every team in the league, and that was the the year. So it was a 54 game schedule. So there was a team that was an hour away from us, an hour flight, Haveros. But we played them once there, and they came us to once, and that was it. The same thing as Prague, which was fucking 15 hours away. So the travel was like, we played four games on the road, four at home, four games on the road, four at home. And every time we flew, it was a minimum 10-hour flight. So that got old. Yeah. Like, it would have been nice if we could have, like, went out on the road and, like, left for a a month. You know what I mean? Like, go out and play, you know, play 12, 13, 14 games, whatever go out on the road for a month and come home for a month, but they didn't have it like that. So yeah, the travel was insane, but I would say my experience over there was awesome. So uh, last little question here before moving to the golf uh, talk here, mm-hmm. um, the insider, uh, yes. how's that yeah. been going? And people love the content. Like where, where did that uh, all originate from? You know what? It, all my stuff with Twitter is basically just me fucking around. Yeah. It's pretty much what it is. Like, so that happened. That started four years ago. I was sitting in Scottsdale. Once I retired, I live in Calgary now, but before I, my first three years retired, I was full-time in Scottsdale so I could play golf. And basically, I was fucking sitting there, and I was bored. And I was kind of looking at Twitter and fucking around. And I don't, I don't even remember how it kind of got started. It was like, it was the trade deadline, sort of. And then I kind of said, pack your shit. And to somebody <laughs> that I knew, like I, he was one of my buddies, so I mean, I'm like, oh, I can say this. He won't care. He'll just laugh if he reads it. And then somebody hashtagged it, and I was like, oh, I'm like, actually, that's kind of funny. And then next thing I knew, I missed my tea time, and I didn't leave my house for the next fucking two and a half days because I was <laughs> trying to figure out trades and firing shit out there. And anyways, it turned into kind of a fun thing. So, yeah, this year was the fourth year that I did it. I try and get, I try and get one more trade than I got the year before. So my first year, I tried, I tried to get one. I got one. Second year, two, got two. Third year, three, I got three. This year was four. I'm like, man, this is starting to push it here. Uh, but I got three. I fucked a few of them up. I had them, but I didn't fucking send them because I was waiting for confirmation. I've actually gotten a little bit more legit. I will say that. Like the Sonny Milano year, one? <laughs> Sonny Milano came out of nowhere, yeah. So I went to like, it was one o'clock in Calgary or whatever time it closed. I was like, man, I fucked it up. I only got three. These people, I'm a fraud. I'm going to get lit up on Twitter. And I had an alumni skate, so I drove to the rink, and I was sitting in the room, and I was kind of down a little bit. And then my source in Columbus sent me a message. He's like, how about that? I'm like, how about what? And I looked, and I was like, holy fuck, I forgot I traded Milano two days ago. <laughs> All set, so I got my fourth. But, yeah, it's just a fun thing. It's kind of uh, funny, though. It's I, like, I, the pigeons on there just, like, absolutely grill you. It's like, okay, like, I mean, really, you're not going, like, hey, I'm getting paid to be, like, the insider, like, like the Bob father, you know? It's just, like... You're no, doing it for no. fun, and people are just like, "Oh, you're an idiot! You had no idea." It's like, yeah, I'm doing oh, yeah. it for some fun. Of the, some of the comments are are hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah, the people that take it like super serious. That like, I'm like, hey, I'm like, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I do have some sources, and I am more legit now than I was in years prior. Like, I actually have some people messaging me some shit that, that and they should know or have I, an idea, anyways. But I'm like, I'm not waiting for fucking confirmation. I'm just firing this yeah. fucking shit out there. And people get, some people get so pissed and I just laugh. I'm like, holy fuck. I'm like, I guess they think I'm actually really doing this. But I did figure out the secret. So like Bob and those guys, what I need to get, I need to get a hold of Ray Whitney because Ray works for the NHL. I need to meet somebody 
who fucking it's probably not a fax machine anymore but whoever so bob and those guys they're con i mean they have a lot of contacts in the league don't get me wrong but i think how it works is basically when a trade comes in it gets sent to the nhl office they have to approve it then the fax or whatever goes out well they know the person with at the fax machine so that's like kind of the final step so that's kind of their confirmation and they're off so i need to meet somebody at the fucking nhl that might be kind of hard though i don't think i don't think they want anything to do with me Okay, so moving into uh, some golf now. Um, sure. When did you get into the game, and who got you into golf? Yeah, um, growing up, I played, uh, basically it was hockey when it was cold, and then once it was summer, I did not touch my gear ever, and I played a lot of baseball. I played Team Alberta baseball. I, I played a lot of baseball growing up, and I would say when I was like 14, 13, 14, my dad took me out to play golf, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had fun doing it. But um, I found that my golf swing, if I would try and go play baseball after, ruins I couldn't it. hit the baseball. Yeah, okay. it ruins the, my fucking – I was, like, looping underneath the ball, and I'm like, well, fuck, I can't do this. I'm like, I, I'm, I really like baseball. So I never played really as a kid, and then once – and I didn't play in college because I had no money. Uh, and then once I signed and I started going back to Grand Forks for the first couple summers after I'd signed and was playing pro, making some money – I mean, there's no more school, and you get your workout done in the morning. I'd work out at 9 in the morning or whatever, work out for a couple hours, and then you got the rest of the day, and I'm like, well, fuck, I might as well. I'm not playing baseball anymore. I'm like, I'm going to start golfing. So I started playing golf, and so it's been probably 20 years, I guess, now. I've been playing every summer and trying to get better, and I really enjoy it. I think it's a great way to – I mean, the game is fun. I mean, it's, it can be very frustrating. I don't take it too seriously. I mean, I try and play well, but if I don't, it doesn't bother me anymore. I'm like, fuck it, whatever, play again. Um, it's a great way to meet people. Uh, since I've been retired, like one of the, I mean, with this COVID, everything's canceled now this summer, but it's a great way, you know, as years go by, you end up losing touch with guys, and, and it's a great way to have these golf trips, and you run into your old old buddies and guys you used to play with or play against, and it's been a great thing socially for me, for sure, and so, yeah, that's, usually do two trips a summer, the Clary Horkoff Invitational, which was supposed to be in Scotland this summer, but I think we're about to cancel it. And then I got a group with a little bit, I guess younger guys a little bit, uh, like uh, BJ Crombie sets it up, me and him do. And it's got like Stan Coast, Mike Smith, Ryan Malone, Teddy Purcell, James Neal, so a little bit younger group. Yeah. Um, and we were, we were going to go to Dallas this year in the beginning of June, but that's canceled. So I don't know what's going to happen this year for golf, but I really enjoy playing. So I wanted to ask, I mean, uh, what's your handicap these days? And then maybe we'll touch on uh, the Clary Horkoff and, and some of those trips that you've been on and maybe some good stories there. Yeah, sure. I usually go, I think right now my handy, it just shot up the last two weeks. Uh, my Right now my handicap has 3.6 index. I'm usually anywhere, the lowest I've ever been, I was a .5 at one time for a little bit. And I usually, I mean, I can, I mean, the highest I can get up to like a five or a six maybe, but I would say a, a fair handicap is usually about a three for me. That's kind of where I'm at. I've been working on it in this, like now that I'm in Calgary in the winters, I was like, fuck, I'm like, you know, I used to play golf. I mean, whenever I wanted in Scottsdale and I'm like, God, I don't want to like want to keep kind of hitting the ball. I don't want to just sit all winter and not do anything with it. So there's some simulators. So I started taking some lessons the last two summers, uh, which I wish I would have done 20 years ago instead of buying new fucking gear to take your money and go spend it on lessons. Uh, and yeah, so it's, I'm actually, I understand the, the swing a little bit more and what I was doing wrong a little bit. And I got a little better understanding. So it's actually, uh, 
the last couple summers have actually been good. I've, I've played better than I ever have. Well, I definitely, even last year when we played in Saskatoon, I thought that you're an absolute stick. So, um, I, I kind of wanted thank to, you, thank you. <laughs> I kind of wanted to, yeah, I wanted to ask about the Clary Horkoff and, and if you had any good stories from the, from those events. And I mean, obviously like those guys are, I don't know them personally, but I mean, they sound like beauty. So I imagine there's some good stories there. Yeah. Like, Oh God, it's always hard to remember some of the stories because we're so shit faced for the whole time. But, uh, yeah, like it kind of started right after, I think they did one. Oh no, this would have been the eighth year. I've been going every year. So it's, put on by Cleary and Horkoff, so they set it up. We usually do, we'll do like years one, three, five, and seven. We'll do an eight-man trip somewhere in North America. So we've done like Bandon Dunes. We've gone down to L.A. We've gone out to South Carolina. We've gone to North Carolina. Um, so those have been like our, our trips in North America. And then, you know, on the other years, two, four, six, eight, we pick up eight Europeans. Henrik Zetterberg gets a group of guys together, and they're, they're Europeans, and we'll go with 16 guys, and we go play in Europe. So we've done, oh, where have we been? <clears throat> it was going to be Scotland this year. We've gone to Scotland before. We've done Ireland, and we've done England, uh, and we shot out to Spain, and we played Valderrama, which was awesome during one of those trips. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, it, what's a story that kind of pops? I mean, basically, it's it's it, you play golf all day. We, we don't do 36 every day because that can be a little bit much. But if we're going for a week, we'll mix in like two days of 36, and then the other days will be 18. You know, usually you get a – Dan is, takes a lot of pride in his swag gear, so you get like a backpack. You know, you got some hats. You got some – you know, we do a Ryder Cup thing, so we got – everybody has their own golf shirt. Uh, and then you get a flask. So basically my days on those trips are get up, eat a little breakfast at the hotel, go straight to the course – fill up my flask with whiskey and then basically play 18 or 36, whatever we're doing, sip on whiskey all day. Then we go to dinner and we have a few and then shut her down. But yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's a great time. Most of the guys are pretty good golfers. Um, the original guys, there's four of us now. Sean's been on every trip. Sean Horkoff, Dan Clary's been on every trip. Ryan Whitney's been on every trip and I've been on every trip. Mayday was also Brad May was on every trip up until last year. He couldn't make last year's trip. So, uh, but go ahead. I was going to ask, is it actually true? If you miss a trip, like, so like John Michael allows you miss a trip. Are you, are you out? Is that just, I mean, when do you get back in? Well, <laughs> I think, yeah. So John Michael Lyles, I think has it. Yes, he's out, <laughs> but he, he is out. I can't remember the exact re I think, I mean, he had, he had a kid. Yes. Basically if you're invited, if you're like a first-time guy and you let's say you play a year or whatever and then you're invited the next year and you don't come or you don't like i don't think it's so much not coming if you don't give enough heads up you know what i mean yeah yeah. and i'm not saying that's the case with lyle's but like yeah dan will cut you and you're never invited back now <laughs> that's that's pretty loose john michael lyle's is uh, have you ever played golf with him no i haven't i just know he's an absolute he's unbelievable a, hockey player yeah well, he's a he's a really good golfer too like he's a legit like plus one or plus two like he can play so we'd love to have him on the trip i don't know what else happened with john and dan they're fine like they're buddies and everything but yeah maybe down that he brought up at spit and chicklets dan's just gonna make a point and be like yeah no he's not coming anymore he's out but uh yeah i mean it's a great time man like it's basically well another way to get kicked off the trip i would not kicked off but frowned upon is and it's not so much anymore now because most of us are retired a couple guys still play but most of the guys are retired. So like back like five, six years ago though, when we were all playing, 
you know, we, we would try and do the trip in like June or July. And like the whole point of the trip is like, Hey, you're supposed to go play some golf, have a few cocktails, have a good time. There ain't no fucking working out. Like there's yeah. nothing that. this is our time to have a good time. And I think actually now that I'm looking back, I think John's thing wasn't so much that, you know, he had a kid like, that's fine. I'm like, if you ask Dan, Dan's going to be like, yeah, that's fine. His thing was like that trip, you know, John, he keeps it, you know, he's in very good shape. He takes know. care of himself. And he was working out. Yeah, no, he's in great shape. So <laughs> he was working out in the mornings and a couple guys saw that. And then it's like, you know, it's like, well, he's working out and, you know, instead of working out, I'm about to have breakfast and crush 20 whiskeys today. Yeah. And so I think that was slightly frowned upon. So I think that might've had something to do with it too. This segment of Off the Huzzle is brought to you by Brownie's Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownie's Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownie's Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. So uh, I got I an inbox message from a buddy of mine. Uh, he plays a lot of golf with uh, Dwight King. But um, this buddy of mine goes, you might want to double check with Kami, uh, but I heard that he's good buddies with Michael Jordan and he played for 10000 True or not true? That I am? Yeah. No, that is untrue. Okay. I am not. I've only uh, – yeah, that's, that is false. Uh there is a hockey player who, uh, God, I can't remember his name. There's a hockey player. He played in Ottawa, and he played somewhere else. He got married to some, uh, he married a girl, I think, that lives down in Florida now, and somehow him and Jordan became boys, and they play for money quite a bit. I know that. Okay. I've never, I've only ever seen, I've seen Michael Jordan once at the golf course at Shadow Creek uh, in Las Vegas, which is an amazing place. He's got his own golf cart there, like with the North Carolina Blue. Nice. I saw him on a course one day. I ran into him into the, in, 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 the, in the men's room or whatever, but I've never chatted with him. I thought, no, that's, that's completely false. Okay, so I want to ask now, uh, how much cash have you played for, and did you get stroked, or do you win? Oh, usually, I don't know. I Usually, I, would, I mean, usually I'm playing golf with my buddies, so usually I would, you know, we don't, you know, we'll play for, like on the Clary Horkoff Invitational, for instance, you have to come up with, uh, you have to come, part of it is you bring gambling money. So the gambling money, because we have games going every day. Yeah. So the gambling money for that, I think we bring 2500 or 3000 bucks for the week, and you give it to Dan, and then there's games every day, and you get paid out. But the point of the trip isn't like, serious, you could serious, go serious. there and play, no, like you could, the, the games are set up where like, if you went there and played the worst week of your life, like you were awful, you were terrible every day, like you would get some of your money back. So, and even if you played awesome, like it's not like you're going to be cleaning up everybody and taking up. The point isn't gambling. I would say when I usually, you know, it's usually for a few hundred bucks, maybe. Um, the most I think I've ever played for, uh, I played Brandon McCarthy, who was a pitcher. He just retired. I played him at Whisperog and he bombs the ball. We were playing, we played nine holes from the, the forward tees just to switch it up and i think i took like two grand off them but that would be about the most yeah like yeah i mean i actually i kind of felt bad a little bit but then i'm like wait a minute i'm like this guy just made 15 million bucks last year he doesn't yeah you don't feel bad no i'm like this guy's got that sitting like in one of his pockets in his bag so yeah i would say like i'm not a i'm happy to gamble i'd like to do it a little bit more because i think you kind of it's interesting playing golf like when you 
when you're playing for something that's uncomfortable, whatever that number is for the individual, it's like interesting to see like how you respond and how you react playing when it's actually something that's, that you like don't want to lose. Not just like ten bucks or something. It's like you know whatever that number is for the individual. For for me, whatever that number would be, you know, a couple thousand bucks, I'd be like shit. Like I don't know if I have that around. I'm gonna have to go to the cash machine, and <laughs> I don't want to do all this shit. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to start gambling a little bit more. I also wanted to ask, I mean, are, are you involved in any uh, charities? Um, I would, I do like, I, would, I do a lot of charity events, I would say. Uh, you know, I try and do, you know, I, I'm pretty, I do quite, I do, I'm in Calgary full time. So, um, you know, the Flames alumni, we have, we do different charity things, a whole bunch of different stuff, like throughout the year. So I try, I pop in there and we get emails and if you want to attend, you can. So I do some stuff there. Um, you know, I'll do like, you know, for the Gordie Howe, the, you know, there's a hockey tournament. I think they go right across the country, but there's definitely one in Calgary and one in Edmonton. I've done that a few times. So I wouldn't say I'm like affiliated with a charity or anything at all, but I try and help out and attend whenever I can. A uh, couple more questions here before we go to the segment called uh, questions from the gallery. Um, who are some of the best players you got to play with? I mean, I, is it true you play with Chaz Reavy and Graham Dillette? Yeah, so I played with Chez, played with Graham. I, sh- I played with Graham. It was me, Graham, and Ray Whitney. And Graham was, God, like, I mean, Graham's ball striking. Like, he's oh, unbelievable. Awesome. So I mean, it's, nice. it, it is a joke. The three of us went out and played, and we were basically playing singles matches against one another. Me and Ray might have been. Anyways, we had, we had a, a bunch of games going between us. And what the hell was he? Graham ended up shooting us. I think the course record at Whisperock is 60. Graham ended up shooting a 61. And he like, I mean, the, the putts that he missed, like he, he hit every fairway. I think he eagled, he holed out from the fairway on a par five. He eagled every par five, I think. Eagle, he might have birdied 18. Uh-huh. Anyways, it was like, we just kept upping the bets because, you know, <laughs> Ray and I were like, man, I would really like to see, like, I'd like to see him break the record. Let's, like, keep him going here. Because so, he kind of went to sleep with a couple of pars on the back. Yeah. So he tried to get him going again. Um, yeah, he was, I mean, he's, I wouldn't say putting is his, like, super strength. His would be ball striking. Chez putts are great. I mean, all those guys is, like, you know, watching them practice, you know, it's just, like, the opposite of what, like, I do. Like, you know, I don't really practice much on putting my putting's okay i'm just kind of naturally all right at it like i'm never usually terrible terrible yeah but i'm like man these guys yeah sure they're on the range and everything but it's amazing the hours these guys put standing on the putting green with like their little gizmos and gadgets and just rolling like eight footers and i'm like man i'm like i know that's really good for your game and that's basically what what it comes down to i mean you're not you can't win if you can't putt but i'm like god damn it that's boring but yeah all those guys are I don't know who the best would be. It'd be hard to pick the best. I mean, They're all I so played good. with Graham a couple of times where he like, he was lighting it up. I've also played with Graham a couple like, I remember one time where he played on, I mean, he was just having fun too, having a couple of drinks and everything too. So it wasn't serious, but like just striping it, but it couldn't make anything. But I played with Ricky Fowler once Tim Ricky's one of the better putters on tour. I think everybody would kind of agree with that. Oh yeah. And I played with him once at Whisper Rock and like he shot, I think he was two under, and, like, I mean, he hits the ball. I was like, man, hammers this, it, this hey? guy's amazing. He hammers it. Like, we were on the kind of a funny story. So I'm really good buddies with Ricky's caddy, Joe, who's a member at Whisper Rock also. Joe and I are, are boys. And so it was the week of the Phoenix Open. Ricky wanted to play. So 
Joe brings Ricky, and so Joe and Ricky are playing against me and a guy, one of our buddies named Mike Gillig, he's from Kansas City. So we're doing like two-man best ball, not for much money or anything. And we're on the 8T, and eight at, on the lower at Whisperock is a par 5. And I hit a drive, and like not the greatest drive of my, my life, but like I wasn't embarrassed about yeah. it. And Ricky was coming up to hit after me, and I'm like, hey, catch that one, Ricky. And he goes, <laughs> he almost starts laughing. Puts the peg in the ground, hits this. I'm like, oh, my God. We get out there, and he was at least 80 yards past me. I'm like, oh, my. I'm like, not even in the – this is not even – the guy weighs like 150 pounds and just hammers the golf ball. But it was super fun. But even that day, like, he's a great putter, but I think he was one or two under. But, like, he didn't make anything. Like, he hit every green, and, like, he had good looks at everything, but just didn't make anything that day. So putting's interesting. Wow. Golf is interesting. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, if you could give some piece of advice to our young listeners on how to make it and how to become a pro athlete and just how hard the grind is, uh, you just want to touch on that for us, Kami? Yeah. You know, for me, yeah, I think for, you know, I, I guess I can just go off my experiences. I, I mean, for me, you know, I, I think the focus is, you know, it's great wanting to be, I mean, I always wanted to be a pro athlete when I was younger. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to play baseball or, you know, well, maybe hockey, whatever. You know, that'd be nice. And I like watching, but I, for me, it's like, you got to enjoy what you're doing. You have to have fun doing it. And I think as a result, if you're having fun and you enjoy playing the game, you like, if you don't, you don't make it a job too early. Like you need to have fun and enjoy doing it. And if you enjoy doing it, I think you're going to work harder at it. When, when you start working harder at it, that's when you get better at it. Um, so that would be like, my advice, like I always tell kids, like when parents come up and ask, I'll be out of range or something. They're like, you know, what does it take? This and, that. and I'm like, honestly, your kid's like eight or nine years old, your kid's 12. It's like, you know what? I'm like, hey, make sure he has fun yeah. and make sure he works. Like you take him to practice one day and you see him dogging it around. I'll never forget. Like when I was, when I was younger, my dad took me to, in the middle of fucking nowhere, Alberta. Took, I think it was a game. Went to a game or it was either a game or an early morning practice. Wake up early go out, whatever, we go out, and I go skate, and I, I dogged it. I didn't do shit out there. I was useless. I was probably like 13, 14 years old, and I got back in my in the car, and my, this is the only time, like, my old man that I can remember him snapping on me when it came to hockey. He looked at me, and he said, I get up in the morning, and I bring you to the fucking rink. I take you wherever you want to go. I give you every opportunity. If I ever see you fucking work like that again out there, I'm never taking you to the rink again. That was a fucking waste of time. And I, that stuck with me. And that was a long, long time it's ago. It's true, I remember yeah. Thinking I'm, yeah, I remember thinking, I'm like, you know what? That's a really good point. If we're going to go to all this trouble, I should at least work hard and, and try and make something of it. And, yeah, I remember that to this day. Okay, so we got, uh, I think, eight questions here. I hope you have some time for that, Kami. I do, yeah. Okay, yeah, this... Nothing but time in these COVID days. <laughs> this uh, segment of questions from the gallery is sponsored by Player Golf. Uh, 15% off promo code off the hosel 15 off to our first question uh, from Riley Christensen. Where did the term in one come from and, or how did they begin? Uh, it, it or began, in two. Was, I guess in two now you're doing in now. Two, or, or in two, yeah. <laughs> uh, it came from, uh, I did an, one of my first interviews there with, I think it might have been the first one where I, I was on spit and chiclets. And I think Wit and I were just kind of telling, uh, you know, we each have kind of, we each spent a year over in Russia. So we were kind of, I was telling a story about how I got 
went out for some drinks one night after a 10-hour flight when we got back to Vladivostok, and I was just going to go for dinner, and I ended up having a bunch of beers and no food. I was in one, like, you know, I was having some drinks with my buddies, and I was hammered, and I ended up getting this in this brawl with these two Russians. Anyway, so I was telling that story, and I just said, yeah, I was in one, and Whit, like, goes, yeah, you, you know, kind of emphasized. He's like, yeah, you were in one, and it just kind of went from just there. Right. Next thing I know, it was, yeah, it just kind of clicked. Somebody hashtagged it on the Internet, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I just kind of, and that's just kind of another fun fuck around thing for me too. Make a couple T-shirts. And it's actually gotten a lot more steam than I ever thought it would. It's just a fun thing for me. Like I don't, I don't make any money off of it, uh, but it's been fun for sure. Might have to do a maybe in one. We'll send some our way to off the hosel. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, golf shirt <laughs> from anonymous. Cheapest guy you played with? Oh, cheapest guy I played with. You know what? For whatever reason, it seems like the guys that make the most money are the cheapest guys. But I Why they're so say, rich? <laughs> I know that's true. Yeah, they keep it in their bank account. Uh, who could I say? You know what? I will go with, and I love the guy, but I will say the cheapest guy because I just remember this one instant. I will go with Nick Lidstrom. Really? I love Nick. Yeah, I, I love Nick. Nick is a was a he's a great dude. I met him and one time. You met him? Yeah, he's an he's the nicest guy in the world. I am not ripping on Nick, but he is a little tight. And the one story that, that always, whenever somebody asks me, like, yeah, cheap this, and I'm, I always think of this story. So we did, when I was in, the one year I was in Detroit, we did a father-son trip, like everybody does, or, you know, a mother-son or whatever. We yeah. did a father-son trip this year. Well, I wasn't going to bring my dad because I was pretty sure my dad was going to punch Mike Babcock right the fuck out. He fucking hated him. I'm not, I'm like, dad, I'm like, can I bring you on this trip and you're not going to make a scene? He's like, I'm not fucking coming. Fuck that guy. I'm like, okay, I'm not bringing you on the trip. So I brought my brother. I asked Ken Holland. I'm like, Hey, can I bring my brother? My dad's busy. He's like, yeah, bring your brother. What the hell? So my brother comes and I know I'm not playing. I'm a healthy scratch. So we were going to, I think we were in Chicago and then the second game was in Toronto, I believe was what it was. So my brother flies in. I'm like, Matt, I'm not playing. I'm like, so I got to get up practice in the morning. But after that, if you want to go for some beers or whatever. So him and I go on the road and we get shit-faced. And the one, we had a little bit of a team party in Toronto at this. I'm not even sure where it was, but it was a team party. So we all go in and everybody's having a good time. And all the dads are there. My brother's there. Players are there. We're smashing some drinks. We didn't play for a few days. And it's time to go home. So me, my brother, and Nick get in a cab. My brother's sitting in the middle. All three of us are sitting in the back, going back to the hotel. So we pull up, and the, the ride was like, I want to say the cab ride was like six bucks. And I could see, I'm like looking at Nick in the corner of my eyes, because I had him like, he might be a little bit tight. And I'm looking, because I'm like, okay, I'm like, Nick, Nick should probably pay for this. It's six bucks, and I can see him, and he's just like, he's looking at his wallet, and all he's got is 20s. But he doesn't want to give the guy a 20. He doesn't want to ask for change. And so he, he, like, doesn't know what to do. So I look at him. I go, for fuck's sakes, Nick. So I grab a 20. I go, fuck, here, keep it. I'm like, Jesus. Like, kind of, like, playfully giving it to him a little bit. So that's the one story I always remember about whenever, like, cheap comes. But he's not the only one. It's like most most of the time, no, I won't say most of the time, but a lot of times the guys that make the most are, like, the cheapest when it comes to that kind of stuff. I don't know why that is, but it just is. Uh, from one of my players, uh, Matt McCraw asked, uh, where did the green jacket plus minus come from? Cause it's hilarious. Oh, okay. Um, I, I love the green jacket. Um, oh, awesome. you know what? I don't know where it, it is great. The timing works out on a normal year. <laughs> like it's 
end of the season's always around Masters week. Um, you know what? I can't take credit for it. I don't know who it's, I was always around. I started hearing about it. Like when I turned pro, it'd be like, Oh yeah, you're wearing the green jacket right now or whatever on the team, you know, the plus minuses on the team. And so I don't know who came up with it, but it's been around for a long time. And I always just thought it was fucking hilarious. And it's actually kind of a, the one, my second year in Columbus, you know, we had a, a rough year. That's when Hitch got fired and Noel took over. And basically, the last, like, you know, we were out of the playoffs with probably 15 games left or whatever. And it basically turned into, like, kind of a competition we were playing to try and avoid getting the green jacket on the team. Like, nobody was league leaders, but, like, on the team. Yeah. So it was kind of a fun way to, you know, stay interested and keep it moving a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know where it came from, but I do love it. It works out great. I was a little concerned when I started doing it, a little bit like pack your shit, where I'm like, ah, you know, I don't really want to piss the guys off. But they, the guys, you know, the guys, the leaders or whatever, love it. Like Landis Scott, who I don't even know. Like, I think the one year, two years ago, I think it was Tyson Berry and Matt Duchesne. They split it a couple of years ago when Colorado was terrible. And, like, Landis Scott got him jack green jackets at the golf course and sent me a picture on Twitter. <laughs> I don't even know Landis Scott. Like, I've never met the guy. He could walk in the door and I wouldn't even recognize him. Um, so it's good that the guys are having fun with it. But I think it's great. It's fantastic. I would like actually like to like start making a green jacket. Yeah, and pass great. it around. And out every year. Yeah, I don't know how that would go over. It would depend on who wins it. Some guys would love it. Other guys probably not. But I think it would be funny. From Anonymous, if you had one fight left to go anyone, who are you going? Oh, God. You want to know who Barnaby said? <laughs> who did Barnaby say? Sean Avery. And then he went on to just grill him. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Sean Avery. Yeah, I could see Barney going off on him. <laughs> Sean Avery's always like, he's like always the easy, I won't say easy answer. It's a very like appropriate answer. I never had any real run-ins with him, so I can't say that I hate Avery. Like, he was a pain in the ass for sure. I thought he was a really good player. Um, but uh, I had no idea he, play, he played for be? the Wings back then, too. Yeah, yeah, he started with the Wings. I think he, he might even have a, yeah, I think he's a, cup, a cup ring. I think he's a yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think he played a little bit or whatever. He was on that team for half the year anyways. Um, I guess... You know what? It, I, I guess I, I kind of mean this, but not really, because I'd probably get my ass kicked again. But my last NHL fight, and I've told this story in Spit and Chicklets, but I was in... I got traded to Tampa from Detroit, and we're playing against Boston, and we were up 5 nothing in the first period. So, like, the game's over pretty much. It's a, at, it, We're at home. I think it was my second or third game playing for Tampa. We're in Tampa. It's 5-0. The face-off's in our end. There's, like, two minutes left in the period or something. And Sean Thornton comes out. And oh. I fought Sean a couple times. I fought him in the minors before. And he comes up and lines, lines up beside me. And Sean is a great dude. I've had a beer with him. He's, he's a great guy. He comes out. He's like, Mike. And I'm like, for fuck's sake. And he's like, Mike. He's like, I need one. I go, Sean, seriously? I go, dude, it's 5 nothing. I go, I really don't want to. He goes, come on, man. You'd be helping me out. He goes, we'll just make it look good. So I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, okay, fine. Let's do it. So anyways, we fight. And this guy, I'm like, look good. I thought look good was going to be like, yeah, we'll kind of take it easy on each other a little bit like that. He's throwing both fucking hands at me. I'm like, dive, like dodging these punches. It looks like if you watch it on video. It looks like I get absolutely killed. Like, I don't get any punches in. He's throwing both hands. I'm slipping these punches, and I remember thinking, I'm like, what the fuck? I look like an asshole. And he, I mean, he really knows what he's doing. So I guess oh, yeah. if I could, I guess maybe if I could go one more guy one more time, I guess maybe I would like to go him. 
just to try and redeem myself a little bit. Maybe a two-two game well though. Knowing. Yeah, yeah, it's a tight game. But I'm like, I kind of don't want to do that either because Sean can really fight, and I'd probably get tuned up pretty good. But I would like one more crack at it if I had to pick one person. From my best buddy, uh, Daniel Hagel, best prank you've seen in the locker room? Oh, God. What would be one? Can't really remember. You know, one that I – what was it? Ray Whitney was always like a big prankster. He didn't really do any to me. But I do remember he, like – I'll do the best one that I've heard of because I wasn't here for this. Okay. I wasn't Ray, – Ray, Ray was in – I think he was in Florida. Well, Ray's – and I'm going to screw this up, but a few people told me about it, and it was pretty funny. Somebody, like, pranked Ray. I have no idea what they did, but got him pretty good. Whatever it was, and Ray was kind of pissed. So Ray's, Ray's dad was a police officer in, in Edmonton. So Ray got a hold of these, like – I guess they would be like dye pellets, so it dyes skin. So I think they like put it in money or something like that. If somebody steals, oh something yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. They, you it know, like up, that yeah. kind of thing. Like it blows up, and then like the dye gets on your skin, and like it doesn't come off for a long time. So Ray had, and I don't even know who he did it to, but somebody pranks Ray. Ray's a little bit pissed, and so Ray goes and gets these pellets or whatever from his dad and puts them in this guy's laundry. So it gets in his laundry so he goes to put his shit on like before he's going out on the ice goes and practices and all this stuff takes his shit off and he looks like a smurf he was like totally fucking blue and like he was blue like for a while it wasn't like he in the shower like washed it off it was like around for a few weeks so that was kind of a good one that i'd heard you kind of touched on this earlier uh trevor benson asked uh, any good stories from golf trips with ryan whitney yeah i mean like i said it's fucking i mean it's the whole trip is so much fun. The golf is, I mean, the golf is phenomenal. They have a good time doing it. You know, going out, the dinners are always great. The one that kind of, it was the last time. So this was two years ago. We were over, or maybe it was three or whatever it was. We were over and uh, we were over, we were sitting down for dinner and I was sitting next to Brad May and Ryan Whitney. We were all at one big table. And they had, he's like at the table and he's like, falling asleep and i'm like mate what the fuck like what's wrong with you like i know you're a little bit tired but you shouldn't be that tired and he's like man he's like trying to figure he's like man i can't even keep my eyes open like i don't know what's going on well he had asked ryan for like an adderall or something i don't know if it was adderall but something to give him energy yeah and wit wit screwed it up and he gave me he didn't mean to because he, he did the same thing to himself well they both ended up taking ambien instead of like the energy pills <laughs> Anyways, both of them were like, and I mean, out cold at dinner. We're at a nice restaurant, like it was in Scotland, I think, somewhere, or maybe Ireland. Nice restaurant. These two are sleeping. At first, I thought we were going to get kicked out, but they were great. We're like, look, they took the wrong pill. Like, don't worry, we're paying for everything. And anyways, we we ended up putting them to bed, but it was it was pretty funny. Oh my, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mayday is. You should get him on the podcast. Brad May is. I love to have him on. Human being. Yeah, he's, I'll try and hook that up for you. He's great. Uh, Dr. Hazel asked, how did you end up caddying for Ricky Fowler, and what was that like? Yeah, so it ended up, it was awesome. So I'm good buddies with Joe. Joe's his caddy, and that year, we went over for the Cleary Horkoff Invitational. We were playing in Scotland, and then we played, then we flew to Spain, and we played Valderrama. So I told Joe this came up probably about a month before the trip, 
I'm like, yeah, he's like, where are you guys going this year? I'm like, we're doing this, Valderrama, then everybody's going home from Spain. He's like, what are the dates? And I'm like, I was like, July, whatever. The, the last day was like July 10th or something like that. It was a Sunday. And Joe was like, dude, he's like, that's the open week coming up the next week. He's like, you're over there. Why don't you just come to Scotland? You can stay with me. There's four of us caddies. We rented a house at Carnoustie. You can stay with us and you can watch the open. We'll get you out. We'll get you on Ricky's bag. And I'm like, man, I'm like, that would be pretty cool. So I ended up, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So, I mean, I didn't set myself up great because we drank like our faces off that week of the Cleary Horkoff invitation. I get to Scotland. I'm like, all I want to do is go to bed. But got there, stayed with Joe. And then on the, the Monday, Tuesday, I think it was the Tuesday practice round. Joe got me a pass and so I came outside Joe was hauling the bag around because I'm like Joe I'm like this is a major tournament I'm like dude I'm just happy to be inside the ropes and watch like I don't need to do the bag like I'm assuming you guys take this kind of seriously Ricky didn't really give a shit but I didn't want to be in the way Yeah, but it was awesome like we went around we played 18 holes I did it two days follow him around um, yeah it was great we had uh, like good guy I knew him a little bit because I played golf with him before so it wasn't like we were total strangers and he didn't, didn't know but yeah, it was awesome. The Open was awesome. Like, I was basically there by myself. I ended up running into Adam Cracknell and Tyler Sagan on, like, the Saturday. Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, it was, yeah, no, it was cool. Ran into some couple people that I knew. I would say it, it was one of the more disappointing Saturday at the Open. So I'm like, you know, both basically the whole week I kind of took it easy because I was hurt from the week before. And then Joe's calling me a pussy. He's like, what are you doing? You're here and you're not even having a beer. I'm like, dude, you have no idea what went on last week. He's like, I don't care. So finally, the Saturday, I'm like, Ricky was like right in the mix. Like he was near the top of the leaderboard going into the Saturday's round. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have a fucking day today. So I grab my phone. I grab an in one shirt. I grab a pair of shorts. And I load up this so I can listen to the broadcast on these big headphones. And I'm going to get shit based on the course. And I'm going to have a good time, and I'm going to follow Ricky around. So I get out there. I grab whiskeys. I'm double fisting it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting for him to get to, I think it was whole, whatever Hogan's Alley is. It's the, it's the par five with the fence down the left. I think it's five. It's either nine or five or six. Okay. Whatever it is. I'm sitting there at the tee. I'm ready to go. I got a buzz. There's I got my whiskey station lined up. I know where I'm going. And Ricky's on hole four, the green before, right next to the tee box. He, like, pars the hole or whatever. But he's, like, leading the tournament. He's either tied for the lead or leading. And I'm, like, fucking right. I'm, like, he is going to fucking light it up today, and I'm going to have a fucking great time. <laughs> so I'm standing next to the tee, and he walks up, and he sees me, and I got my T-shirt on. So he sees me tap Joe, and they're laughing. And I'm, like, fucking right. So I'm like, this is going to be an awesome day. So I'm standing there next to the tee. Ricky puts it in the ground, sends it. And the only thing you can't do there is you can't go left because it's over the fucking fence and OB. Yeah. So I see he, he hammers it. I lose it in the sky. I'm like, where is that? And then all of a sudden I see people scrambling left. I'm like, oh, my oh God. No. Then he hit the next one like way right. So anyone ends up taking a triple bogey. And that was oh. basically the end of his tournament. And I was like, oh. I mean, I managed to rally and I followed him for a little while. Then I went off on another tangent. But <laughs> it was a good time. I would highly recommend anybody who loves golf. Like, it's definitely a different... I watched the tournaments here in North America, and going over to the Open was definitely worth the trip. It was fun. Mick Panko from uh, Regina asked, he's, uh, he's curious about your impressions of the Royal Regina and the member guest tournament. Quote, unquote, heard, oh. you're, heard you're a legend. Oh, the Royal Regina. It's my fucking favorite golf course in the world. I never miss a putt there. <laughs> Literally, every putt goes in. Uh, no, that was that's actually... I had a great time. It's the only time I came in 
Mike Sillinger had me in, and I just met Mike through Ray Whitney. Played against him, but never really met him. I've met Silly a few uh, few years before. Fucking great dude. Fun to golf with. Loves to have a good time. So Silly's like, why don't you come in and play? You can't play with me, but I'll play. You can play with one of my buddies and the member guests. But we'll play before. And I'm like, yeah, sounds good. So what's the other one? Wascana? Wascana. Yeah. Of course there. Yeah. So we go up there, and I was playing pretty good at the time. We go to Wisconsin, play there, and we go to the Royal Regina, play a practice round, and like Silly's got all these fucking bets going on. Just he's presses like, it. He's gonna, oh, he's pressing everything. He's betting other people in other group. Like I'm like, hey, Silly, I'm like, I'm a three hand. Like I can easily blow up. Like things are going good yeah. here, but I'm like, I'm not. Like I can easily shoot a fucking ninety out here. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, fuck that. So we're we're betting everybody, and then for whatever reason. I think I was like, I was under par the one day, which that's only happened like three or four times for me. And then the next day, I think I was like even par, but literally I would, I fucking made every putt. Like I would be on the green and I'm like, man, this is going in. And it would actually go in. So yeah, I ended up like fleecing at the end of the round. I'm like, people I didn't even know. I'm like, hey man, you owe me. Silly's like, you owe Connie a hundred bucks, hundred bucks, hundred bucks. I'm like, I actually made a decent amount of money. I kind of felt bad. I'm like, these guys don't even know me. They probably think I'm a fucking sandbagger and I'm really like a, fucking plus two and i'm saying i'm a three but it wasn't the case i just made everything but that tournament was super fun i'd love to go back uh from anonymous uh how is it being an uber driver and are you still currently an uber driver i retired from uber driving drive i don't need uber driving yeah you're good. Uh, <laughs> yeah no yeah i did that that was a thing when i was in scottsdale probably the second year i was retired and i was just like man you know i was single and I'm, you know i'm doing a sit at the house by myself but i'm like I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm just, I need a break. I need a break from the booze. I'm like, I, I want to go out, but I don't want to drink. So I'm like, I want to go out and meet people, but I don't need to be sitting at the bar. Like, I need a little little break, a little time out here. So I'm like, what can I do? And I'm like, well, fuck, why don't I just drive for Uber? I'm like, that way I'll meet people, and I won't be drinking. Otherwise, I'll end up in jail. So I'm like, that's perfect. So I decided to do that. I did about 70 rides over the course of about, I would always kind of, I try and drive right around like happy hour. Uh, did about 70 rides, had fun doing it, had a couple like pretty fun rides. I, I like picked up Doug Waits geese once I played with Doug in, in, uh, in Carolina. Yeah. She didn't believe me. She's like, you know, my, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, actually we'll call him. <laughs> so she called him, but Doug, the, the Islanders were actually playing at the time. So he wasn't, he was the head coach. So he didn't answer, but it was good. But I, for the life of me, I don't, the only thing I didn't like about it was that like, Phoenix is a huge city, so you pick somebody yeah. up, let's say your phone buzzes, you know, it's like, uh, whatever, John, do you accept or not? He's three minutes away from you. So you hit accept, you go pick him up, but then you have no idea where John wants to go until he's yeah. in your car. Could be 40 so minutes John, Exactly. So, like, I did some of those rides where I'd, like, pick somebody up, and they're in the fucking car. Like, it's like an hour drive, and now I'm out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Nobody else wants a ride, and I'm like, man, this, I don't really... I don't really see how people driving an hour with a stranger. Like, yeah, driving an hour with a stranger. And it's, yeah, yeah, no shit. I'm going out to the middle of fucking Anthem or nowhere, <laughs> fucking Arizona. Uh, so I did it for a while, and then my last ride, I, I enjoyed it. It was good. If I could, if it would have just been like if I could have just drove people around, you know, a few mile radius, it would have been great. My last ride, I did one on which was stupid, but I thought it was early enough to get away with it. It was Halloween, oh. and I went. I filled up with gas. I'm like, I thought I was done for the night. I did like six or seven. This is at like seven o'clock at night. So it's not late. And on like a fucking Tuesday. And I was fill up my car with gas and my phone buzzes. I'm like, ah, fuck. Okay. I'll do one more. 
So I go pick these people up. I'm sitting outside forever. And I never really did. I didn't care if I was, I mean, I, I was just doing this for fun anyway. So I didn't give a fuck if I was sitting outside for 20 minutes. I don't care. So I was sitting there and long story short, there was a Halloween party there. And these guys come out, there's like two of them. And they're like, they're hammered. And I'm like, hey, fellas, I go, look, I get it. I'm like, let's get this moving though a little bit. Like, grab whoever you're grabbing, let's go. And he's like, oh, he's got to get his girlfriend, wait till you see this. And I'm like, we need wait till you see this. And so they go get her, and this girl is loaded. Uh-huh. Like, she's, like, getting carried to the car. Like, she's out cold on her feet. She's being dragged to the car. And they oh, put her in the back God. seat. And so it's, it's two couples are in the car, me and four people. And I go to the guy. She's like, she gets in the car. And then all of a sudden, I don't even get the car in drive. And she starts screaming, I got to take a piss. I'm like, oh, my God. So I turn to the guy, her boyfriend, and I go, hey, dude. I go, I'll tell you what, this, this, your girlfriend here, this is your fucking responsibility. If she pisses in my car or pukes in my car, I'm taking it out on you. So I'm like, you better fucking take care of her. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You could, you could tell I was like, I wasn't well, you're upset. around here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I've been sitting here waiting for 25 minutes. And then you, I mean, this girl is fucking tanked. So she goes outside, pisses right in the middle of the street. Oh. They drag her back in. She starts crying about her dad. I'm like, oh, my God. So I floor it. They're in the car. For, it was probably like a 20-minute drive. I made it there in 10, dropped them off. And it worked out. She didn't puke in the car or anything like that. But after that, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I think this is probably enough for me. Yeah, and that was I put my papers in and retired. I've been in one Uber and like this thing picked us up and I was buckled. I was at Adult Safe Nationals actually. I was with like Benny and those guys and I got in this van. Yeah. It had like a cooler full of like waters and like snacks and I'm like this is the best Uber ever. Never been in one since. Yeah. I don't think uh, anyone can uh, meet up to that guy's standard though. It was good. <laughs> no. Yeah. You you get the odd guy, especially yeah. You get the odd guy who like really takes pride in it. Like you look with like you said waters candies Holy cell phone God, charger perfect yeah yeah and some guys really take it take pride in it for sure i was not one of those people my car was clean for sure and i did have a charger i went and invested in a little cheap charger i'm like oh maybe somebody might want to charge their phone in the back seat i did do that but there were no waters i would happily stop but i, I didn't load my car up no okay uh two more here and i'll i'll end up letting you go here but tyler zenzlack sure. wants to know and I mean, i'm not sure where tyler's going with this one but if you do feel free to answer uh, he wants to know which, which is better feeling, winning the Stanley Cup or making making it to the toilet just in time. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. We, um, I guess that's an interesting question. I actually had a little bit of an episode for the first time ever on the golf course here, where I just made it there in time, like three or four days ago. Uh, I guess I'll have to go with the cup, but it's fucking pretty close. <laughs> There's no worse feeling when you don't make it in time. Put it that way. Okay, this is, uh, I mean, we put out a post yesterday and it blew up. So pretty much all of our listeners in five words, uh, you don't have to answer this one. I'm sure you, you already know what I'm going to ask, but they all want to know and describe your relationship with Mike Babcock. Oh, Babs. Yeah, I don't mind answering it. Um, I'll, I'll shorten the story up because I could talk about this fucking piece of shit for an hour, but longer than that. Basically, uh, quickly, I had Mike Babcock. I got traded to Anaheim the summer after my first year pro. Came to camp in Anaheim, was in great shape, ready to go. I was supposed to play. Babs doesn't want me. He doesn't want me there. He wants to play his boy, Kurt Sauer. He sends me to the minors, which, hey, that shit happens. Like, yeah, yeah. coaches have their boys. I get it. I wasn't happy about it, but, like, I get it. The shitty thing was is he then went into the paper because people were asking, they're like, well, you guys traded for Mike. Like, why is he not? 
Like, why is he in the minors to start the year, this and that? He goes to the paper and says, well, Mike could, Mike showed up. He doesn't care. He's out of shape. He doesn't want to be here. And I'm like, that was the exact opposite. Like, I had to show up in good shape every year because I wasn't a good enough player not to. I yeah. realized that. Like, I had to be in good shape. So that, like, thank God Calgary ended up trading for me later in the year. But, like, when Calgary traded for me, the first thing was like, hey, like, you got to spend, if you want any chance of making this team, you need to spend time in Calgary because we heard you don't work out. And I'm like, man, I, I go, I have no problems doing that, so I'm going to stay in Calgary. But I'm like, what that motherfucker said in the paper is not fucking true. It was his excuse to get rid of me. But it, that kind of shit, like, it sticks around. Like, it ends up sticking with your reputation. It's hard to get rid of. So that, I was pissed at him for that. Then I ripped him in the paper when I was in Columbus. This is like six, seven years later. He was in Detroit. Ripped him in the paper. Not bad, but ripped him in the paper. Found out that, like, the Chelios and Osgood had cut the article out and highlighted the parts of it with that where I was ripping on them. So at first, and put it up in the room. So at first I was like, oh, shit, when I heard about this, I'm like, man, I don't want to be like, you know, the bullet board material to get the Detroit Red Wings, like, fired up. Yeah. I thought, you know, I didn't know what they thought of them. Well, it turned out that they posted it because those fucking guys hate them more than I do, and they love the fact that I was ripping on them. So I'm like, holy shit, like, all right. <laughs> But the reason why I really fucking hate him is, and I got bought out in Columbus, July 1st, free agency. I'm not planning on getting anything. I'm like hoping for one more chance. Usually if you got bought out, you know, if you're lucky enough, you get one more chance. And then if that doesn't work out, it's over. And I don't care who you are. Yeah. So I was hoping for one more chance. I get bought out at the end of June, next day, July 1st. And I'm in Kelowna. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Free agency just starts. My agent calls me at like 9.05. Like free agency just fucking started. I just got bought out. As far as like the hot commodities for the trailer for free agency, I'm way down at the bottom. This isn't like it was three years ago when I was up near the top for defensemen. So nobody's thinking of calling me. My agent calls me five minutes in. He's like, hey, he goes, I got a contract offer for you. I'm like, really? I go, well, what is it? He goes, one year, one million bucks. I'm like, perfect. I'm not going to get anything better than that. It's not really about the money. But I'm like, yeah. I go, well, who is it? was what Detroit and I'm this was a different agent so this agent didn't know that I had a run-in with Babcock before so I'm like I go fuck I'm like I'm not going to fucking Detroit there's only one reason why fucking Mike Babcock wants me there and that's to end my fucking career he's like well I talked to Ken he says he wants you I'm like all right I'm like he goes well what do you want me to do I'm like I don't know. just tell him we'll call him back my art agent's like well hey he goes look he goes Ken says you had 15 minutes to make up your mind no. So you're either in or out. If you don't say anything in 15 minutes, this contract's off the table. So I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's 9.05 in the fucking morning. Any other team maybe thinking of, maybe they want me, is not even considering calling me for at least a couple weeks. But I got to make up my mind on this. Like, I could say no to this, and then I don't get anything. And yeah. Then that's it anyway. You got to take it. So I, right. I'm like, but I'm like, I don't take it right away. I'm like, you know what? I tell my agent, I'll call you back. So I call Ken because I played in Ken's golf tournament. Ken, I like, I still really like Ken. It didn't work out, but I really, I do really like Ken. I respect him. I call Ken and I'm like, Ken, I would love to play for you. I would love to play in Detroit. I think that would be fucking awesome. I'm like, you know what I think of your head coach. You and I were having beers, ripping on him last summer at your golf tournament. I'm like, does he want me on the team or is he just getting me in so he can scratch me and fucking end my career? He goes, no, no, he wants it. I go, are you fucking sure? He's like, yeah. I believe him. I'm like, give me his phone number. So I call Babs. I got like 10 minutes left to make up my mind. I call Mike. And I'm like, Babs, it's Mike Commodore. I'm like, please be honest with me. Do you want me on your hockey team or not? If you don't want me on your team, 
yeah, if you're fine. just saying you want me because you want to get me in and you want to, for what I said in the paper and you want to end my career, I go, if you don't want me and this is your plan, please be honest with me. If you don't want me, that is totally fine. Free agency just started. It's not a big deal. No, no hard feelings. But I need to know that I'm going to get an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get an opportunity. You're going to get an opportunity. Nick likes playing with a right-handed defenseman. They didn't have any right-handers at, the, at that point. They signed Ian White later, but at that point they didn't. Blah, blah, blah. You're going to get an opportunity. I go, Bab, seriously. I go, I know this is it. If this doesn't work out, my career is fucking over. I'm, you're sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get a shot. We need a physical presence. Blah, blah, blah. So I hang up the phone, call my agent back. i got to make up my mind. He's like, well, what do you think? I go, man, I, this guy is going to fuck me. Yeah. He's just like, well, what did he say? So I tell him, and he, he's like, well, he's saying all the right things. And I'm like, man, it would be nice to play with Nick. I'm like, playing in Detroit, original six, that's cool. Play with Nick Lidstrom. All I do all year is go D to D. That's going to be 40 <laughs> points for me. I'm like, I'm going to be fucking back. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this guy on my word that I'm going to get an opportunity, and we'll see what happens. And I got to Detroit, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, no more hating Mike Babcock. I get to Detroit. I'm like, don't say a word about him. You're here to fucking do a job. Let's go. I sit down in the room in Detroit. I wasn't there for five minutes. I had half the team come up to me and be like, dude, we loved it when you fucking ripped on Babcock in the paper. <laughs> Fuck him. I'm like, oh, my God. These guys all fucking hate him. You're all like, so, don't say this. Yeah, I'm like, God damn, I don't want to say anything. I don't want like, I got to get on this guy's good side like this. I, I need this to work. And anyways, to sum the story up, I was basically scratched the entire fucking year until I got traded to Tampa, and that was the end of my career. Wow. So that's why I really fucking hate him, is because he went out of his way, fucking lied to me, when all he had to do was like, like, why would you want to do that? Yeah. Like, and, and I never knew Mike, like, he didn't like me in Anaheim for whatever reason, wanted to play, but like, I never had, like, I didn't know who Mike Babcock was. I had no, like, prior run-ins with him, nothing, there was no, like, families didn't know like there was nothing yeah, like, like, i don't know why what his just random he just whatever it was he didn't like me and the fact that i called him and fucking I, all i wanted was some honesty that's it like tell me and he fucking lied to me to get there to end my career i was that was that's why i hate that motherfucker <laughs> wow uh this has been awesome Tom. yeah do you want to touch on it uh, uh, uh anything else before i let you go here yeah uh, well, I was asking if you, if you had anything else you want to touch on here. Sorry. Oh, oh, me. Sorry. Oh, no, I think I'm good, man. I mean, I'm just fucking hanging out in Kentucky. Yeah, I don't got much going on, dude. I think I'm good. Okay, well, I definitely think that uh, you'll be uh, wanted to be a, a reoccurring guest if you're okay with that, too. Totally fine, Drew. Just let me know, man, anytime. Okay, we'll talk to you later, Tommy. Take care. Awesome, dude. Thank you. Take it easy. This episode of Off the Hosel is brought to you by Extreme Hockey and Sports and Umbrella Marketing Solutions. One stop for all your sports, marketing, and corporate team and sales. Come down and see Donnie and Daphne for all your sports and corporate needs or contact at this number 306-539-6101 or email donnyuren at extremehockey.net. That's D-O-N-N-Y-U-H-R-E-N at extremehockey.net. Well, there it is. The interview with Mike, the insider, Commodore. Really good interview. You know, it, it was a little longer, but I really think it was well worth the wait. It's, you know, he, he talks about a lot of different things, and he's been on so many trips, and he's played in the NHL, and he, he's a good golfer. He's just, he's done a lot of things, so it's this, this is easy for him. So uh, thanks again, Mike. I know, I'm not sure if he mentioned it on the podcast. I can't really remember, but uh, they are doing a campaign. I believe it's Stay the Puck Home uh, t-shirts they're doing. 
uh, for COVID relief, I believe. So don't quote me on that. I think I've seen that on Twitter. Uh, check out Mike on his Twitter page. Check him out. Just type his name in and you'll find it. Um, yeah, thanks again, Mike, for coming on. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, quickly, before that, you guys go here, uh, just some quick uh, reminders and notes. Um, on Twitter, Instagram, underscore off the hosel. Facebook is just off the hosel. Uh, yeah, and we're going to do a little giveaway, I believe it is. My brother talked about it uh, in the pre-show. Uh, it's a five. Uh, we'll launch it today. We'll announce the winner Friday. So um, I believe it's we're giving away a player golf hat from our friends over at Player. And what is it? I believe it's oh, show your decals. So show the decals. Uh, tweet, you know, share it for your friends and get that thing going. So we want to have and we have lots more. So if you need more, you need want your friends want some. Just you know how to contact us through our social media handles, uh, our personal ones at Coaster Troy, and mine at Coaster Drew, or even the off the halls accounts. Uh, one of us will be on there answering questions. So, as far as that, I think that's all we got for you guys this week. Or, 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 I guess today, Monday. So uh, we'll talk to you guys Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Monday.